everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm back here with Alex Meyer to discuss our predictions for this year's Tony Awards. We've already discussed the plays. Now we're moving on to the musical category. So, again, I guess like with the plays, let's discuss our, I guess, what were our reactions, what, what were our reactions to the musical nominees? I mean, I think the biggest surprise was, okay, a lot of us, especially on Gold Derby, were predicting the fifth slot to go to Be More Chill, but no, that underperformed and only got one nomination for score, while Beetlejuice way overperformed. Yeah, which was surprising considering how most critics hated that show. Yeah, I mean... In fact, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, he's, he thought it was an abomination, the fact that Beetlejuice got nominated and Be More Chill didn't. Well, I mean, I guess it has to do with, I mean, well, I mean, I guess at least in Be More Chill's case, I guess it might have been a factor of, well, the show wasn't really for, well, isn't really for everyone. I mean, it's supposed to skew very young and a lot of the people on the nominee committee are supposed to be older. So I guess it just wasn't their cup of tea. Yeah. Well, Beetlejuice probably isn't, well, I mean, I do have it winning one category but i mean for the most part it's pretty it's pretty much last in most of my predictions well well yeah in fact i wouldn't be surprised if it's that well i mean of course we once in a while do get that one out of left field best musical nominee but yeah it yeah in fact i probably wouldn't be surprised it actually came fourth or fifth place in a lot of its nominations Mm -hmm. and probably a lot of the final voting as well well, well, yeah, I imagine it was, all of its nominations were just there as filler, but in any case, and, uh, and well, I guess, are, were there any other surprises from the nominees you wanted to talk about? Um, well, I mean, Ain't Too Proud certainly got more nomin <laughs> nominations than I thought. I mean, I, yeah. I figured it'd maybe get, like, maybe seven or eight nominations at the most but in, instead it got 12 well yeah i did not see it getting in for director featured actor twice and as well as set and costume how many nominations did jersey boys get when it, in 2006 i believe it was eight. Oh wow so it's more than jersey boys well yeah because yeah, and well, yeah, it's by the, of course, by the, some of the same creative team director Des McEnough and choreographer Sergio Trujillo. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, uh, and, and, yeah. Plus, well, and plus, both are set in the 1960s. Well, yeah, especially, you know, centering on music groups of different colors, like, and, and not to mention, I will say, Kiss Me K did underperform, the revival of Kiss Me K underperformed, which, you know, I thought it would get a little more like directing or maybe a featured acting or two, or even in the design categories. And in fact, I even thought I could actually win costume design, but wasn't nominated there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember like last year, we all assumed Kelly O'Hara would easily be the front runner to win a second Tony, but... She's going to be lucky if she even gets, like, half the votes of of the voters. Well, well yeah. There's so many other contenders who are far out front. Well, well, yeah. In fact, I... In fact, I, this is part of the reason why I don't like making early predictions on winners when they're projects that people haven't even seen yet. I usually like to Same. give it time. Same here. I mean, I haven't even made my Emmy predictions on Gold Derby yet. Well, yeah, because which... Like, because, like, six months ago, we couldn't have predicted that Chernobyl and When They See Us would get the buzz they're already getting. Yes. So, 
So I guess now on to our actual predictions. Okay, starting with the most important category of all, best musical, especially important when in the long run when, you know, these are producers who, of course, would appreciate having the Tonys for advertising, especially when they eventually stretch out to more productions like in London or on the road and such. So I guess, Alex, read off the nominees, would you? Uh, sure. The nominees are Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Beetlejuice, Hades Town, The Prom, and Tootsie. Okay, so, yeah, and according to the New York Times voter poll, Hades Town is the artsy contender, born in the non profit world with a score and and script by Anus, a Anus Mitchell, a singer songwriter. Yeah, a singer-songwriter from Vermont. It seems, okay, according to the New York Times, it seems to have a solid, although not insurmountable, lead for Best Musical. The show isn't for everyone. A number of voters have complained about this that the storytelling was underwhelming and they didn't understand what the fuss was about, though its enthusiasts are citing a moving score and mesmerizing stagecraft, and they're passionate and numerous. And, and, and many voters have cited originality as a key factor in their support and there and plus it does fit the mold of you know recent best musical winners this past decade shows like once fun home hamilton dear evan hansen and the band's visits you know shows that are really pushing the boundaries of musical theater so yeah i have hades town out front and the rest of your rankings? Uh, okay. Well, yeah, this was tricky. I settled on the prom for second place mainly because, well, well, okay, in the New York Times voter poll, okay, it said that in the musical, they felt Town was benefiting from the absence of a consensus alternative. I mean, the show with the strongest shot of overtaking appears to be the prom, which is an original musical about a high school inclusions controversy. And, you know, there is, again, rooting factor for that show. To, you know, it's an original, completely original musical. It's, it's kind of a love letter to Broadway because it deals with Broadway performers coming to this small town in Indiana to really fight for inclusion. And though Tootsie and Ain't Too Proud were reportedly not far behind, and which, by the way, Tootsie's my third place ranking, and Ain't Too Proud in fourth, followed by Beetlejuice in fifth. Yeah, I, I have 80s Town winning as well. I actually have Tootsie in second place, mainly because it's expected to win at least two key categories, which can certainly benefit it in mm -hmm. possibly overtaking Hades Town for Best Musical. And kind of like Kinky Boots in 2013, right. while it certainly retains elements of the movie that it's, in, that it's based on, it's also a radical reworking so that it's not a carbon copy of that movie. Well, you know, I think, you know, many, many people said that last year Mean Girls didn't win because for the most part it was a carbon copy of the original film minus a few references that were updated in terms of technology and social media. Whereas with Tootsie, from what I've read in this article in The Hollywood Reporter and many other sources, the overall concept of a man dressing up as a woman to gain acting work is still the same, but radically different, where they move from the world of soap operas to the world of Broadway and also include the Me Too movement as well. Well, yes, it's a complete update. Yeah. And, of course, we'll be talking a little more about that when we get to Best Book of a Musical. Yes. And, and the rest of your rankings? 
I have the prom in third because you know it it is it's been the little show that could you know it's it's the kind of show that with its concept could have either been a big hit or a big flop um but it's you know and shows like this often don't hold on this long so it's obviously done something right and then I have ain't too proud in fourth and then Beetlejuice in fifth yeah yeah so again yeah if if Beetlejuice should somehow pull off a shocking upset win I wonder what the reaction in the crowd will be Oh, man, I imagine like someone will be breaking a monitor just like Charles Bright did after Marco Martindale won the, an Emmy for the Americans a few years ago. I'll, be, I'll, I'll get to that in, in, a, in a category where a certain other show is nominated that critics probably want to take a baseball bat to or other things. <laughs> yeah, so I guess now on to Best Revival of a Musical, where there are two nominees this year, mainly because there were only two musical revivals that opened on Broadway this past year, so in any case, they are Kiss Me Kate and Oklahoma, and it seems that the this revisionist production of Oklahoma that's currently playing at Circle in the Square has impressed way more voters than the only alternative, which is a more traditional production of Kiss Me Kate. Although it's worth noting, Kiss Me Kate apparently did undergo some revisions to the book to make it more palatable in the Me Too era. Well, well yes, I, I meant in terms of its presentation, not the script. Which, of course, people did have complaints about the updates, whether they felt it worked or not. Right, yeah, so it's, I mean... Yeah, so I... I think Oklahoma easily wins this. Oh, yes. I mean, even those... I mean, in fact, even though... In fact, those critics who... The detractors the production of Oklahoma has appears to be substantially outnumbered by those who appreciate the fresh take, and even some skeptics said they chose to reward it for its ambition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because what I've seen in photos and videos, they wear modern-day clothing. There's The set is very... Minimal, minimalist there's like yeah. barely any props you know and they they play instruments on stage it's like guitars and banjos not like traditional orchestra instruments so well, it feels more like it feels more like it feels more like you're listening to a dolly parton album than you know a traditionally a traditional broadway musical yeah or, or even patsy klein yeah but um but but he, but despite the kind of the country music feel i think it works because you know oklahoma is probably probably has some of the well, it's home to some of the biggest country music stars in the world like blake shelton for instance well oh yeah so despite the divisive nature of oklahoma i think tony Vars are more likely to champion this particular production as it again pushes the boundaries of staging a classic musical so yeah it's real easy oklahoma then kiss me kate yeah same here so, so now on to lead actor in a musical, and uh, Alex, the nominees are... Okay, and the nominees are Brooks Ashmanskis, The Prom, Derek Baskin, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Alex Brightman, Beetlejuice, Damon Dono, Oklahoma, and Santino Fontana, Tootsie. So I think this is probably going to be one of the biggest locks of the night, and uh, I have Michael. I'm sorry, I have Santino Fontana winning for Tootsie because I remember, even though he can be hit or miss in his predictions, I think Michael Riedel was probably onto something when back in September he said, "Just give, just engrave the Tony with Santino Fontana's name 
because he's going to win this. Well, uh, yeah, when the show's out of town in Chicago, yeah. Yes, and yeah, and in fact, the New York Times voter poll states that Santino has been pressing voters with his virtuosic performance as Michael Dorsey, an underemployed actor, and Dorothy Michaels, the woman Dor- Dorsey pretends to be in Tootsie, of which, of course, was the world made famous by Dustin Hoffman in the film. And, yeah, and it, it looks like the Broadway favorite will finally, will officially be turned into a bona fide star this Sunday night. Plus, he continues the long tradition of men winning for performing in drag, like with Douglas Hodge for La Caja Fall. And as well as George Hearn for the original production. Say that again? As well as George Hearn for the original production. Mm, yeah. So so clearly, Tony voters like like it when male performers have to dress up as women for their roles. Well, um, yeah, and, that transformative and I know, nature. And I know in this version, I've seen clips. Santino Fontana also has to sing in a much higher vocal range so that he can maintain the illusion that he's a woman. Well, 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 yeah. Plus, there's a lot of quick change. Like he, he even mentions, there's backstage is almost like a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said it's definitely uh, not easy with all the costume changes and what what's needed to keep the costumes on him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, as yeah. for my overall rankings, I have uh, Santino Fontana, Damon Dono, Brooks Eschmanskis, Derek Baskin, and Alex Brightman. Oh, same exact rankings for me. Ah, okay, finally, Calgary, you and I agree 100% on. Yep, I have. I think Alex Brightman is going to be dead last because I think, I think a lot of voters... Who were hoping Reeve Carney would get the last spot for Hades Town will probably be like, mm. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Although with Reeve Carney, well, I've heard some people felt that he was kind of the weak link of the cast of Hades Town. Although I still predicted him to get in, kind of as a coattail nomination, but you know, then, yeah, didn't happen. So. So I guess now on to a lead actress in the musical. The nominees are Stephanie J. Block, The Share Show, Caitlin Kinnanen, The Prom, Beth Level, The Prom, Eva Noblezada, Town, and Kelly O'Hara, Kiss Me Kate. Okay, so what's interesting is that, you know, okay, uh, now, oh, okay, so, uh, like, throughout the season, I've really had this doubt about whether Stephanie Gerbach could actually win, given the whole industry bias against commodity musicals, uh, coupled with the fact that no performer has won this award for a show that wasn't nominated for Best Musical nor Revival since Heather Headley for Aida back in 2000. However, the New York Times just convinced me otherwise, because, I mean, they their survey suggests that she's way ahead in this race. And in fact, they feel she has a trifecta of factors in her favor. The voters are impressed by her performance. They love her personally, and they admire a body of work that has been seen her nominated twice before. Yeah, I remember hearing the momentum like, just give it to her because she's overdue. And I'm like, but she's only been nominated like three times and she's not even that old. And well, she's been nominated twice before, actually. Uh, yeah, right. in fact, if well, you... I meant three times counting this nomination. Well, well, yes, I know what you're talking about. In fact, I was about to say, if you ask me, the criteria for being overdue should be having gone at least three prior nominations without a win. Yeah. And if you're like over a certain age, like say 50 or 65... Well, well, yeah, like at the Oscars, as we saw with Christopher Plummer in Beginners or Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour. 
and we'll see in another category, which we'll get to, in which a yes. a, cer- a certain legend could possibly win for the very first time. Yes. So. So yeah, so, I mean, so. I didn't think she was going to win, not because of her being overdue, but just because. Apart from her performance, critics really hated the Cher show. They pretty much ripped it apart. Well, yes, although to, although to be clear, only 19, well, only members of the New York Drama Critics Circle, which consists of 19 journalists, can vote in the Tonys. Are there, whereas not a lot of critics aren't, a lot of the critics in the New York theater scene aren't Tony voters. Yeah, that's true. Yes, so. and, and in fact, I should also point out that, you know, well, I mean, I also wondered, you know, even those who aren't critics, if they were probably feeling that if there was a better musical around her, they'd be taking her a lot more seriously. But, you know, I guess rules are made to be broken every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, initially I was predicting Beth Level would win in my, you know, before the nominations came out because I figured if they were going to give the prom at least something, maybe they'd give it to her. Well, I do, I do have her in second place. Same here. And I actually I should mention that Beth Level did star in the only Broadway show I have seen. I saw her in the Drowsy Chaperone when I went to New York City with my, with my high school drama club, and she was freaking hysterical in that show. Well, yes, and it's even by some of the same creative teams, such as co-book writer Bob Martin and director choreographer Casey Nicola. And I and she did win the Tony for that show, and well deserved too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. In fact, you can. In fact, there's also. I just realized the other day is that there's gonna be a bit of a drowsy chaperone reunion. I'm sure, at least in the audience and on the red carpet, because not only do you have those three I just mentioned, but also a fellow nominee Sutton Foster presenting and Danny Bursting, who's co-presenting the Creative Arts Awards. Oh, and of course, George Engel will be in the end memoriam segment. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I actually got to meet Danny Burstein backstage at that show. We were taken backstage. We got to meet him and ask him questions. But he was the only cast member we got to meet. We didn't get to meet Beth Level or any of the other cast members. And I think they were like the two still left. I mean, I don't have my playbill for that show, but I I looked up on Internet Broadway Database, like the replacement history. And I think by that point, like Sutton Foster and the other leads had already left the show by then. Oh, yes. Yes. But Danny Burstein was still there. I'm pretty sure Beth Level was there. I'd have to look it up again. But yeah, that was that was a fun show. Uh-huh. Yeah, I still maintain that Danny was robbed of the Tony. <laughs> well, uh, of course, that's all another conversation. But as for my overall rankings, Stephanie J. Block, Beth Level, Eva Noblezada, Kelly O'Hara, and Caitlin Kinnanen. Oh, same rankings too. Ah, great. Yeah, because I yeah I have Caitlin in last place because well she was definitely a surprise nominee. Like a lot of us thought Rebecca Naomi Jones would take the last slot as a coattail nomination for Oklahoma, but no, it's no. But but hey, at least she gets to be a fellow nominee with her former onstage mother Kelly O'Hara because they played mother and daughter in the Bridges of Madison County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... All right, and then I guess we move on to featured actor in a musical. Yes, that's right. All right, uh, let me just get back here. All right, <clears throat> and the nominees are Andre DeShields, Hades Town, Andy Grotolution, Tootsie, Patrick Page, Hades Town, Jeremy Pope, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. And Ephraim Sykes ain't too proud. The life and times of the Temptations. So, this is where the legend I was referring to comes into place. I looked up Andre DeShields' age. He's seventy. 
three, I think. And huh. and even though he's this big legend of the theater world, he's shockingly has never won a Tony. He he wasn't even nominated back in the seventies for his iconic roles in The Wiz and Eight Minutes. Well, yeah, he had to wait until 97 to get when he got his first nomination for Play On. Mm -hmm. And then he was nominated for the musical version of The Full Monty. And even though I've heard some people complain about his role in Hadestown as not being the best of the cast, I do think, given that he's the, from what I heard, he's like the narrator of the show. And narrator roles tend to win kind of like with both... Ben Vereen and Patina Miller for Pippin. And uh, and you can also kind of say Leslie Odom Jr. in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that he's this big theater legend and he's up there in years being in his 70s, and then, you know, and if people were like, how does Andre De Shields not even have a Tony yet? They may feel, all right, he might, we don't know if he'll ever get a chance to win again. Mm-hmm. The show's going to win Best Musical, so let's just give him, let's get, let's take him along for the ride as well. Well, well, yeah. Plus, in fact, of course, there's two people from Hades Town and two people from Ain't Too Proud in this category. And up to two Hades Town men, well, yeah, I think Andre De Shields, he does appear to have a flashier role as opposed to Patrick Page. And, and, well, yeah, plus I heard Sam Ekman and David Buchanan discussing their prediction slugfest video that, you know, you know, Andre DeShields supposedly, you know, kind of holds the bookends of the show. He opens it and closes it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, and then I have, oh, where's my thing? Oh, here it is. But I do have Patrick Page in second place because I know this is his first nomination, which I'm sure many people will be surprised by because he's been in so many shows. Yeah. Um, and and I know, and of course, in Hades Town, he's literally playing the devil, or Hades in this case. Well, yeah, he's kind of made a career off of playing villains such as the Green Goblin, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, and Scar and the Lion King, and as well as um, Frollo in, in the stage adaptation of Hunchback of Notre Dame that never came to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, maybe if... Maybe he could kind of win also as a sort of de facto career achievement award, kind of like with Andre DeShields. But, you know, but if the vote spling does play a factor that I do have Jeremy Pope in third place, maybe he could possibly get some momentum here if they want to make sure Ain't Too Proud wins at least one award. Um, you know. well, well, yeah, if the voters are able to decide between him and Ephraim Sykes, uh, in fact, uh, uh, yeah, of the two ain't too proud men, yeah, I'd lean a little more towards Jeremy Pope, given, again, the narrative he has of making his Broadway debut in two separate shows this past season, resulting in nominations for both performances, and with Cranston way ahead for lead actor in a play, I think featured actor in a play might be a better place for Pope to win, although I actually have him in fourth. Yeah, well, I have Ephraim Sykes in fourth, and then I have Andy Grotolution in fifth, simply because I literally have never even heard of him before he got nominated, and I don't even know if he was in Gold Derby's list of eligible people when the predictions were first up. Well, yeah, his nomination was a complete surprise, but I have him, Andy in third place, mainly because of the vote-splitting factor. Like, if both Ain't Too Proud men and both Hadestown men all split their supports, I mean... He could just benefit from being the apple in a bag of oranges, or vice versa. I just have him last just because I don't think, I think even the Broadway community wasn't expecting him to get nominated, so 
for, I guess in this case, this is one of those, the nomination is the reward type of thing. Well, yeah. In fact, I, I even mentioned in the message boards that, you know, I think his nomination might have been a factor of two things. One, I guess the respect, at least respect nominating committee had for Tootsie, coupled, I guess, with, I guess, the role he's playing. I've only seen the original movie once a couple of years ago, and I remember uh, that character in the movie, which was played by Bill Murray, did seem pivotal to the plot. Yeah, but, I mean, he wasn't, like, the most significant character, which I think could also hurt Andy's chances here, because Bill, <coughs> excuse me, because Bill Murray didn't get an Oscar nomination for the film. And right, unlike had, the other. Even if he had, he wouldn't have won, I don't think. Well, I'm not saying he would have, but, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, that it, it was such an out-of-left-field nomination to the point where I don't think it's going to ever gain enough momentum to possibly win. Well, no, uh, but again, I'm just taking the vote splitting factor into account. But yeah, yeah, as and I do have Evram Sykes in last, so I guess ready to move on to featured actress in a musical. Yep, and this I think will be the big nail biter, where like the winner will be will beat her competition by maybe like one or two votes. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, yes, this could be the category maybe where we do see a tie if that should happen. Well, yes. since and in fact, this is another category where there are a pair of two people competing against each other from the same show. And they are Lily Cooper, Tootsie, Amber Gray, Hadestown, Sarah Stiles, Tootsie, Ali Stroker, Oklahoma, and Mary Testa, Oklahoma. All right, so let's have a moment of truth to see if we are on the same page here. Okay. I am going ahead and saying that Ali Stroker is going to win. Okay, I actually have Amber Gray winning. Mm, okay. I figured this would be the category where we're split. Um, see, I'm having Ali Stroker win because she's become the standout in a show where usually her character of Ado Annie isn't really seen as the standout. It's usually people like Lori or Curly or Judd Fry, but she seems to be getting the most attention of the show. And admittedly, maybe part of that is due to the fact that she uses a wheelchair and she's had to, and she does a new take on the character partly because of that. But at the same time, she delivers an amazing performance of Ado Annie's signature song, I Can't Say No, which she showcased on shows like The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Live with Kelly and Ryan, and she does it in a much, like, kind of a Dolly Parton country-esque way, which kind of gives it a whole new meaning, where she turns it into a song about woes of men into a song about a woman who's proud and confident about her sexuality. So mm -hmm. with such a dramatic reinterpretation of the character of a character that's not usually seen as the standout that could maybe make voters go, mm, I never thought of her that of Ado Annie that way before. Well, yeah, that was kind of the, the similar narrative Ruthie Ann Miles had for the King and I a few years ago, where, you know, the role of Lady Tiang usually isn't a standout, but you know, it was kind of her performance coupled with Bart Shear's direction that kind of made her stood out more. Plus the fact that this version of Oklahoma explores the darker undertones without altering a single line of text or lyrics and the fact that with the exception of once on this island every single tony winner for best revival of musical has won at least one acting award that <coughs> that's also uh, the this past why decade I'm predicting you mean her. this past decade you mean yes 
Yeah, because there have been several exceptions to the rule, like, you know, hair, only one musical revival, nothing else 10 years ago, company a couple years before that. Well, I meant this decade, that's what I said. Well, yes, I thought so. And, well, actually, I have, um, well, I have Amber Gray winning for a couple reasons. One, she's the only nominee in this category who is not up against a co-star. And, you know, you also got to keep in mind that, you know, Ali Stroker is up against, well, her co-star is Mary Testa, who's a Broadway veteran who's been nominated twice before. And she also, you know, has what's usually been a standout role. Like, Andrea Martin was at least nominated for the last revival in that same character. And, you know, I could just see Mary Testa getting just as many votes, which would potentially lead to vote splitting. Like, I've heard, I believe I heard David Buchanan talk about this in the Slugfest I was talking about, saying that when he saw the production, he did notice that the role of Aunt Eller, you know, even when she's, you know, she's kind of on stage on the whole show, especially in the background, even reacting to what's going on. So, never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I've heard with Amber Gray in Hades Town, there are some who feel she's committing category fraud and that she's more of a lead than supporting. Well, yes, although as a point I made earlier, we've seen at least people at the Oscars benefit in the past from being a lead in supporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just think it seems that Ali Stroker has the flashier role and the flashier roles often tend to win here. Well, yes, though. Though, again, I heard that Amber Gray does kind of close the show in a post-curtain call number. And, you know, especially with, you know, Hades Town being out front for best musical. In fact, I guess how I have Hades Town doing overall, it to me would make sense for it to win at least a couple acting prizes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's kind of, I kind of use that same mentality myself, but like I... I notice how, like, you know, like I said before, with the exception of Once on this Island, every revival of a musical winner of this decade has at least one acting award Hmm. under its belt. And I just feel that, you know, if if voters want to spread the love, because I do feel they're going to spread the love between 80s Town and Oklahoma in a couple categories, I feel they may think, well, why don't we have at least, why don't we give at least one acting award to each of them? Well, again, it depends on the divisive nature of Oklahoma, but but as for my overall rankings, Amber Gray, Ali Stroker, Sarah Stiles, Mary Testa, and Lily Cooper. Uh, yeah, I pretty much, well, yeah, the same bottom three, but of course I just have Ali and Amber in, in, the, in, difference, in, the, in the reverse view. Well, yeah, in fact, it's worth noting that just like the original movie, uh, Tootsie has two supporting actress nominations in this category for the same characters, like Terry Garr, who who a lot of people thought should have won the Oscar for Tootsie. I mean, she lost to Jessica Lange, who clearly benefited from being a double nominee that year with an additional nomination lead for Frances. Of course, she wasn't winning for that against Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. So now we move on to... uh, Best Direction of a Musical. Okay, and this is my second super bet. Okay. And I think... Oh, yeah, it's my turn to read off, right? Yes. All right, and... All right, and the nominees are... Des McEnough, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Rachel Chavkin, Hadestown, Daniel Fish, Oklahoma... Casey Nicola, The Prom, and Scott Ellis, Tootsie. So uh, I think, based on the um, 
the amount of acclaim as well as to kind of make up for the fact that she shockingly lost two years ago. I have Rachel Chavkin winning for Hades Town. Uh, yeah, same here. Yeah, and, yeah, and again, it was definitely a surprise, not only by the fact that she lost, but who she lost to, because I remember a lot of us thought her alternative would be Michael Greif for Dear Evan Hansen, but it ends up being Chris Ashley for Come From Away, which, well, I mean... Yeah, which not even he saw coming, judging uh, yeah. by his reaction. Yeah, Yes, and and this time I think Rachel Chafkin will actually take it for the best musical frontrunner, though my second place choice, well, second place ranking is Daniel Fish for Oklahoma, given his think-outside-the-box approach to this show, and those who've been familiar with the Rodgers and Hammerstein classic can easily be able to notice that the current revival is all 100% his vision. Mm-hmm. And, yep, uh, I have the same top two, and then I have... Scott Ellis in third. Same here. Nicolau in fourth, and then Des McEnough in fifth. Okay, I have at least have the same top three. In fact, well, yeah, Scott Ellis in third place, especially considering that this is his ninth nomination, and he's way overdue. You know, talk about, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So, and yeah. uh, and. In fourth place, well, I actually have Des McEnough ranked higher, given that, well, again, having not seen Ain't Too Proud, well, I know his directorial style is very cinematic, even though, well, Tony voters have been moving away from awarding the cinematic stagings of musicals in recent years. But, you know, I guess, well, I guess partially taking into account that this was sort of a comeback for him, given his... Because since Jersey Boys won Best Musical in 2006, he had kind of a mixed track record with, you know, a critical bomb revival of Guys and Dolls, as well as Dr. Zhivago and Summer the Donna Summer Musical last year. I mean, he did have a Jesus Christ Superstar revival, which had a more mixed response, but still, I guess this was for the most, Ain't Too Proud was for the most part seen as a return to form for him. And I have Casey in last place, I guess, kind of take into account that he was snubbed in choreography, which, I mean, while probably not as fatal for shows, the prom's chances of winning Best Musical, but I am kind of taking that into account, but that's just me. Yeah, well, I guess I have Casey Nicola a little higher because this will be like his... Here he's not having to co-direct alongside... Trey Parker and Matt Stone, you know, from South Park, right. like he did with the Book of Mormon. Because right. that was more, because even though he, he directed the Book of Mormon, that was very much, you know, a Trey Parker, Matt Stone show. Well, yes, although Trey Parker was the only other credited co director on that. Well, yes, but I'm just saying he doesn't have to, it's very clearly his vision and style that he's putting, that he's doing with the prom. He's not having to share with someone else. Yes. Okay, so I guess uh, ready to talk about best original score. Uh, well, before we move on, I mean, if, if Rachel Chapkin should win it, I think it'll be a very special occasion for her because I've noticed in like photo galleries of recent events she appears to be pregnant. Well, yeah, I even heard that in an interview with uh, Keith Price on his podcast, Keith Price's Curtain Call, after she won the drama disc. Yeah, and yeah, so, so and not to nice mention when, when a Tony have a baby in the same year. Well, yeah, I mean, we've obviously seen that at the Oscars with Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago. And Natalie Portman for Black Swan. Yeah. Well, yes, in fact, if she wins, this should become the fourth woman in history to have won the Tony for directing a musical. The other three being Susan... Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Julie Taymor for The Lion King, Susan Stroman for The Producers, and Diane Paulus for Pippin. Mm-hmm. All right, so then 
You said best score is next? Uh, yes, and so the nominees for best original score are Be More Chill, Music and Lyrics by Joe Iconis, Beetlejuice, Music and Lyrics by Eddie Perfect, uh, Hades Town, Music and Lyrics by Enos Mitchell, The Prom, Music by Matthew Sklar, Lyrics by Chad Baglin, To Kill a Mockingbird, Music by Adam Gettle, and Tootsie, Music and Lyrics by David Yazbek, and I think this is probably one of the best bets for Hades Town on Tony Knight. Yep, I agree. My rankings are Hades Town, Tootsie, The Prom, Be More Chill, To Kill a Mockingbird, and Beetlejuice. Oh, well, well, I have different rankings. I actually have The Prom in second place, given the, the whole discussion on if, well, well, I don't have it winning anything, and I, and who knows where Tony Footers may feel they want to throw a bone to it somewhere. Third place, Tootsie. Well, I mean, I totally get your your reasoning for second place given that you know this is david yazbek it's his honeymoon period from the band's visit last year and well i mean and well beetlejuice i've been fourth i would rank it lower but you know it's well i guess i guess maybe his visibility factor from this past season kind of helped him get a nomination because he also did king kong and, well, even though I don't think he has any chance of winning, well, I haven't ranked higher than Adam Getzel for To Kill a Mockingbird since while play scores have never won this award. And be more chill in last place, given that's the only nomination it received. Yeah, well, I, <clears throat> I have be more chill higher just because it's the score has gained, like, you know, this cult following. And, I'm you know, I it just, like, I've heard it has some, like several great like standout songs, you know. Whereas like no one's talking about any standout songs from Beetlejuice. Well, that's true. Yeah. But plus, I have to kill a mockingbird higher than Beetlejuice just simply because of snob appeal. Because Adam is it Gettle or Gattel? Gettle. Oh, I I thought it was Gattel because I thought that's how I heard somebody say it. But well, um, I've heard Gettle. I guess it's one of those tomato tomato type of things. I yeah. I, I have him higher simply because he already won two Tonys for Light in the Piazza. So I thought, all right, there's automatic kind of snob appeal right there for voters. Mm-hmm. Even though he has no chance of winning here, I think they probably if they had to pick between To Kill a Mockingbird and Beetlejuice, they'd probably pick To Kill a Mockingbird mm-hmm. just be, just from the name alone. Well, yeah, that is a good point. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, Beetle, Beetlejuice has no chance at all here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. So, now on to Best Book of a Musical. Okay. And the nominees are... Uh, where's my thing? Here it is. The nominees are Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Beetlejuice, 80s Town, The Prom, and Tootsie. <sighs> okay, so, so, so where do you stand on this? Like, I know... I know we've got to take a look at the fact that this past decade so far, of course, is last year of the 2010s, but only once has a show won Best Book of Musical, but not gone on to win Best Musical, which was 2013. That that book went to Matilda, while Kinky Boots won Best Musical. Um, I I think we're going to see another split here, because I have have Tootsie winning, because it's kind of won all the precursors, and unlike... Unlike shows like Mean Girls, which are like a carbon copy of the original movie with like a few updated references, Tootsie took 
the core concept of the movie, but then reworked everything else, you know, in terms of plot development, character development, and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's like almost unrecognizable from the movie, from what I've heard. Well, yeah. And, well, yeah, Robert Horton did get a lot of acclaim for doing a complete update of the story from the original movie to the Broadway musical. I mean, I mean, I mean, not to mention, you know, this is kind of a journeyman writer. Like, he's, I believe he's worked on sitcoms. He's also wrote several shows, including, I guess, at least a couple that never made it to Broadway, like Lone Star Love, which was this musical that was supposed to star Randy Quaid, but never made it. He also wrote some Disney Channel movies. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that, as which were, yeah, Teen Beach movies, Sweet Life movie, yeah, several other stuff. And, yes, and I guess this is kind of, should probably catapult him to, I guess, the finish line. I mean, yeah, and maybe get him more high-profile work. And then the rest of my rankings are Hades Town, The Prom, Ain't Too Proud, and Beetlejuice. Huh? Same rankings as me. Okay. Yes, and in fact, uh, yeah, like, I will say, if Hades Town goes on a sweep throughout the night, I mean, I could just see Anus Mitchell winning book as part of the show's potential haul. I mean, then again, voters may just feel they'll already have opportunities to work her in squares, so they may not feel the need to give her two in one night. Mm-hmm. So... I guess now on to best choreography. Yep. Uh, well, yes. It's your turn now to read. Yes, it is. And the nominees are Camille A. Brown, Choir Boy, Warren Carlyle, Kiss Me Kate, Dennis Jones, Tootsie, David Newman, Hades Town, and Sergio Trujillo, Ain't Too Proud. So, so Warren Carlyle appears to be out front here. For his work on Kiss Me, Kate, and uh, do you stand on that? Uh, I'm actually predicting Ain't Too Proud will win. Ah, so am I. Because I feel with 12 nominations, I feel that there's going to be a backlash if it doesn't win at least one award. Because unlike the other 12 time nominated shows that got shut out, Ain't Too Proud is still running and it's not a carbon copy of its previous source material because the Scottsboro boys was shut out because it just closed way too early. And, yeah. Plus it was up against the juggernaut known as the book of Mormon. That yep. And, and mean girls got shut out just simply because it was too much of a carbon copy of the movie. Well, yeah. Plus there just wasn't any snob appeal behind it. I mean, it skews very young. Plus Sergio Trujillo, I know was shockingly not nominated for Jersey Boys, and many people might assume that a show like that would win for its choreography, but... Well, yeah, he also wasn't... So He also so wasn't nominated... Be... Uh, sorry, I just wanted to say, he also wasn't nominated for choreographing Memphis, which, of course, was another eventual Best Musical champ. So they may feel that they can make it up to him here? Well, yes, plus, you know, I, I'm also not sure if Tony Voters would really want to completely shut out a 12-time nominated show two years in a row. So, I think, you know, if they want to award Ain't Too Proud, which is an if, and then just because it has all these nominations doesn't mean anything, but still, if they'd like to give it something, I think choreography is the best place to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I guess maybe some might think Warren Carlyle's 
well, I know he's already won it, Tony, but I can see some people wanting to make it up to him considering the fact that he wasn't eligible to be nominated for Hello, Dolly. Right. I mean, of course, we'll see if... I'm. Well, I'm I'll, hopefully he'll be eligible for The Music Man two, two years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then... Let's see, did I... Yeah, so the rest of my rankings are Kiss Me Kate, Hades Town, Tootsie, and Choir Boy. Ah, another category where you and I are complete agreement on. Yeah. And of course, Camille Brown, they're making it up to her here because, of course, she was shockingly snubbed for once on this island last year. Yeah, 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 and she got in over Casey Nicola, who usually gets into this category every time he does the Best Musical nominee. Mm-hmm. So... So I guess now on to best orchestrations, and it, I believe it's your turn to read off the nominees, or is it mine? It's mine. Okay, go ahead. The nominees are Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Hades Town, Kiss Me Kate, Oklahoma, and Tootsie. Now, I think this could be another nail-biting category. Yeah, especially feel- since it's voted on by a peer group. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say Oklahoma will win. Ah, I'm predicting Hades Town. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm predicting Oklahoma because, I mean, I know there's no overlap, but it's worth noting it did win both the Outer Critics Circle and Drama Desk, and the fact that they pretty much had to re-orchestrate the show from scratch to give it kind of a more country-western feel than a traditional Broadway feel, and for the most part, it, according to critics, it really seems to work. Mm-hmm. I think that'll help push it over the edge. Well, yeah, that could definitely happen. I mean, Daniel Kluger literally had to reconceive the orchestrations to a small seven-piece band. I mean, although... Plus, I, I'm sorry? Plus, plus several of the actors are playing their own instruments live on stage. Like, I know Damon Dono plays guitar on mm-hmm. stage, and, of course, the, the the revival of Sweeney Todd with Michael Service and Patti Lapone won best orchestrations because all the actors were also the orchestra. Uh, same with Once, back in 2012. Mm, that's true. So yes, yeah, so there's kind of a history and a precedent here well, yeah. for a show like this to win orchestrations, although I, and kind of like with featured actors, I wouldn't be surprised if the ultimate vote count is just a few votes separating the winner from the runner-up. Well, well, yes. In fact, if we were to get a tie this year, it would be the first time there was a tie since 2009, which ironically was in Best Orchestrations. So it was a tie between Billy Elliot and Next to Normal. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, yeah, so the rest of my rankings are Hades Town, Ain't Too Proud, Tootsie, and Kiss Me Kate. Okay, um, okay. I have, again, I have Hades Town winning this because, well, mainly it's probably just me feeling, you know, after having previously underestimated the eventual best musical winner in this category the last years, I'm going with the front runner this time. And, and plus, you know, I believe that's also another show that has an orchestra on stage. Yeah. Or, I guess, background musicians. Because I know the actors themselves, I don't think, play any, any of the instruments. Well, no, though it does have, no, though it does encompass, you know, a sound that's usually not heard on Broadway, like a New Orleans rhythm, jazz, blues, and, well, plus, you know, the winner for best score and orchestrations usually goes hand in hand. Yeah, it's true, but I have a feeling if, like, Oklahoma were a new musical instead of a revival, it would probably win. It would probably be a big sweeper and win a lot of these categories. So, 
and just for the fact that they kind of had to re re orchestrate the entire show from scratch and give it a sound that you would never assume a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical would have and for the most part appear to have it work and work very well that's kind of why I'm predicting it to win here mm-hmm. yeah yes in fact uh, let me let me do some math real quick 10 Okay, yeah. Yeah, the only times this past decade where uh, the winner for Best Orchestrations was for not a new score, where for, I guess, shows like Once, which, you know, a lot of it was pre-existing material from the original movie, and An American Paris, which, of course, was utilizing songs by the Gershwin. So, so no, no revival has, I believe, has won this award since, I believe, yeah, 2006. But, like you've said before, using previous material doesn't always necessarily bar it from winning. So the fact that, you know, you could win for using the Gershwin songs, I don't see why you can't win for reworking Rodgers and Hammerstein. Well, yeah, that's true. But, again, it's just potential sweep I'm taking into account. As for the rest of my rankings, uh, yeah, Hadestown, Oklahoma, Kiss Me Kate, Ain't Too Proud, and Tootsie. I have... Into Brown ranked a little lower, mainly because, well, Harold Wheeler is already getting a Lifetime Achievement Award, so they may not feel the need to give him a competitive one in the same night. Yeah, but then again, with Ain't Too Proud, you have to take song, iconic songs and rework them from, for Broadway in a way that makes them sound good. Mm-hmm. So, and the fact that he's never won a competitive Tony, you know... I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe there could be somewhat of a possibility where we see a Saul Zant situation where he won the Thalberg Award at the 69th Academy Awards and then went on to win the Best Picture Oscar for The English Patient. And then when he got up to the stage, he famously said, I said my, I said before my cup was full, now it runneth over. <laughs> yeah, although although it certainly was not the case with Jane Greenwood in 2014 when she received her Lifetime Achievement Awards and also a nominee that year for Act One. Though, of course, I'm not sure if she ever had any chance of taking down Jenny Terramani for Twelfth Night. Probably not. Hmm. But, um, yeah... So, next up is... Best Sound Design of a Musical, yes. And the nominees are Peter Holinsky, King Kong, Peter Holinsky, Beetlejuice, Steve Canyon Kennedy, Ain't Too Proud, Drew Levy, Oklahoma, and Nevin Steinberg and Jessica Paz, Town, which I have winning. Yep, same here. I think with the voting being restricted to just the sound technicians and whoever else, I think Town will strongly win here well yes in fact i'm currently i have a sam ackman's article help i guess giving predictors some help in predicting the design categories and he says some pundits are betting that king kong will take home its sole competitive tony win here and it's easy to see why the show's absolutely a design showcase and probably features the most effects heavy oral landscape of any of the nominees Plus, Peter Holinsky is a seven-time nominee who has never won. He's also nominated this year for Beetlejuice. However, this category has never awarded 
has never been awarded to a musical that's not nominated for either Best Musical nor Revival. And of course, the prize has only been awarded eight previous times, so that's bound to be broken one day. And in King Kong is also the second nominee ever in this category to not contend for one of the top two prizes. The other being Side by Side by Sondheim, which lost to Fela that year in 2010. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think that also with King Kong, I know that the puppeteers are basically getting a special award and think I think Tony voters will feel that's recognition enough. Yes, plus, you know, if Hadestown were to win this, uh, and Evan Steinberg and Jessica Paz would become the first duo to win this category thanks to a robust New Orleans soundscape with industrial uh, clangs blowing up from the titular underworld. And I did some research. Jessica Paz, would, or Paz, Paz, however you say her last name, she would be the first woman ever to win a sound design Tony for either a play or a musical. Mm, yeah, so I guess there's, yeah, there's a narrative there. Sound, and sound design has always been a, a field where men have far outnumbered women in terms of the people who work there and get rewarded because, like at the Oscars, very few women have ever been nominated or won sound editing or sound mixing. Yeah. Yeah, so as for my rankings overall, they are Hadestown, Ain't Too Proud, Oklahoma, Beetlejuice, and King Kong. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I have Hadestown winning, but I actually have King Kong in second place because I kind of thought to myself, well, if every Tony voter could vote in this category like they did in the past, then King Kong might have a good chance of winning, and maybe they might feel, well, it is a giant gorilla on stage, so we might as well give it the sound award. And, and they are in an enormous venue, such as the Broadway Theater. Then I have Oklahoma third, Ain't Too Proud in fourth, and Beetlejuice in fifth. Although, and I will say, if King Kong somehow does win this, I think I know exactly what will happen. Ben <laughs> Brantley and Jesse Green in their homes will either break a table or they'll break their computer monitor like Charles Bright did. And when they do, they'll shout, Khrushchev Abdorazine! <laughs> yeah, yeah, though I have it ranked in last place given that's the only show that's not for best musical nor revival, coupled with the fact that Peter Kolinsky's probably going to split his support since he's also on Beetlejuice, which is another show in a large venue and 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 ain't too proud well we have seen jukebox bio musicals do well in this category before like beautiful won this award in 2014 and i'm oh yeah fela won in 2010 so so but i think king kong might have a better chance because again you know with tom o'neill's rules king kong probably features the most sound effects and probably the loudest sound effects. Well, yes, although although people are probably still confused by what sound design actually is in the theater. It's not, so, it's not just the sound effects, but also the overall amplification, as in making sure you know the actors are heard, the orchestra, as well as sound effects, especially depending on the venue you're in. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, of course. So, are you ready to discuss lighting? Yep. Okay, your turn. The nominees for Best Lighting Design of a Musical are... And the nominees are... Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Beetlejuice, The Share Show, Town, and King Kong. And I think uh, Bradley King's winning a second Tony for Town. 
Yep, I agree. I have him in first place, and then the rest of my rankings are Ain't Too Proud, The Share Show, Beetlejuice, and King Kong. Okay, my rankings are mostly identical. In fact, uh, reading from Sam Ekman's article, he, sa- he says that Bradley King's work in Hadestown is showy and an essential setting for the mood of each sequence. It helps, too, that the ensemble swings giant lamps across the stage during Reeve Carney's powerhouse song, Waits For Me. It's an image that is surely burned in the minds of every audience member. This would be, well, yes. And though if... And, in fact, Sam also says if voters are bowled over by the sheer volume of design work in Beetlejuice, then Kenneth Posner and the projection designer Peter Nigrini could provide some competition, especially considering that, you know, projection designer on the ballot at one point, the projections utilize a map to totally transform a charming house on stage into Beetlejuice's ghoulish creation. And, and, well... Although my overall rankings are, yeah, Hades Town, Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, The Share Show, and King Kong. I guess I have The Share Show a little higher because since it's going to feature a lot of performances by the actresses playing Share, I'm guessing there's probably like a lot of flashiness when it comes to the lighting design to make it seem like you're at a concert of hers. Well, well, yeah. In fact, I was able to see the share show last week, and yeah, I can definitely see how Kevin Adams got the nomination here. I mean, not only all of the quantity of lights, but also, you know, there are some, you know, stunning images on stage. Like, I believe at one, yeah, if I remember correctly, at one point there's, you know, Stephanie is lit on one side and one of the other shares, it might have been Michaela Diamond or Teal Wicks, one of those two were lit on the other. Yeah, it was a stunning image. Yeah, although, if King Kong should somehow win this as well, or just win either this or sound or sound design, I can still see, even in this category, Ben Brantley and Jesse Green screaming, Grushev Thorazine! <laughs> oh, imagine if King Kong wins all three categories it's up for. <laughs> and they'll probably, they'll probably grab the nearest bottle of alcohol and just go like... <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily these awards are present. They'll probably be like, they'll probably be like, screw my life. King Kong is a Tony winner. <laughs> yeah. Though, luckily the design categories they'll are. Be as, they'll be as mad as they'll be as mad as cinephiles were when Suicide Squad won the best makeup and hairstyling Oscar. Well, yeah. Or even how angry they were at Bohemian Rhapsody's Oscar wins or Green Books. Well, I mean, well, to be fair, both those films certainly had their defenders while practically no one defended Suicide Squad's Oscar win. Yeah, that's true. But as I was about to say, well, luckily the design categories aren't presented on the actual telecast. They'll only be presented, like, before the show and or during commercials. Of course, they'll obviously reveal the winners on the telecast. Mm -hmm. So, I guess now on to Best Scenic Design of a Musical. Uh, well, yeah, I believe it's your turn now. Yes, it is. And the nominees are Robert Brill and Peter Nagrini, Ain't Too Proud, Peter England, King Kong, Rachel Hawk, Town, Lorette Jelinek, Oklahoma, and David Korn's Beetlejuice. And this is the one award I have, uh, Beetlejuice winning. Yep, same here, because I'm, you know, it looks like Beetlejuice has the most sets, or at least the most variety of sets in terms of design and color and things like that. Kind of like, that's kind of like the basis I use for correctly predicting Spongebob 
win in this category last year. Right, when no, when a lot of people, myself included, as well as the eventual predictions contest winner, Andrew Carden, predicted it will go to My Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. And that was my biggest, well, that, that was the one category where I received the most points for, I believe. Yeah, because you can get bonus points if you correctly forecast the upset. Yep. So, so I have Beetlejuice winning, but I do have Hades Town in second place, followed by Ain't Too Proud, Oklahoma, and King Kong. Okay, I agree with most of those rankings, although I actually have Oklahoma in third, followed by Ain't Too Proud. Well, just that, like with Oklahoma and King Kong, I have them in last place because there really isn't a set on there. It's almost like a bare stage, more or less. Well, yeah, although Peter England was also the projection designer on King Kong, so he's nominated for that as well. Yeah. Well, but I mean, again, you know, King Kong's negative reviews are going to prevent it from winning, especially if Tony voters don't want Ben Brantley and Jesse Green coming up to them screaming, Crucible Thorazine! <laughs> How many times could you possibly do that on this show? Well, that'll probably be my last time. Well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Just because I, I just wanted to do that for like each of the categories yeah. that King Kong was in, because I'm sure Ben Brantley and Jesse Green were probably furious that it even got any nominations at all. Yeah, but well, at least it wasn't for Best Musical. Oh, they probably, I bet if that happened, they probably would have been like, probably taken out a column saying, you know, using probably four-letter words saying, <laughs> Fuck the Tonys! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess I have Oklahoma ranked a little higher, given that while it may not be the most obvious winner for said design, I mean, it does appear to be very inventive in how, you know, it's obviously very pared down, especially in the round, you know, almost like it's a show's taking place in a farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, but I think, you know, it's probably a Beetlejuice, Hades Town two-hander here because they seem to have the most sets, or... At least the most colorful sets. Well, well, yes, and and Beetlejuice obviously being the most showy. Like Sam Ackman says in his article that his gut says David Corns will win for having the most scenic design of any musical this season for Beetlejuice. It's an, an immense set with moving parts that perfectly captures a twisted Tim Burton vibe while keeping things fresh. Uh, for, though, of course, David Corns has had you know quite a rocky history with the Tonys. Like, you know... You know, he when Hamilton pulled off a sweep, he was one of the only nominees from the show that didn't win. And, you know, he wasn't nominated for Dear Evan Hansen a year later, though he was for War Paint. But, you know, I guess maybe Third Time could be the charm for him. Plus, he also, of course, designed the set for the Oscars this past year. Yep, that is true. All right, and... Uh... See, how many more categories do we have left? Uh, only one. Oh, in fact, I, well, I should also mention from Sam's article that, you know, if Tony voters continue to shun Corns, then Rachel Hawk could take this award for Hades Town. I mean, he says that her set appears to be beautiful but simple at first, but then actors swarm across the stage via turntables and trap doors, and the entire stage seems to split open to drag uh, the audience down to hell. She also incorporates subtle touches like textured surfaces, which help elevate the lighting design. And it's all, and in fact, I just found out that Rachel Hawk also designed what the Constitution means to me this past season. And, and in fact, star Heidi Shrek calls her out by name in that show, coupled... So I guess maybe that exposure could help her, but I'm still predicting David Corns. Yeah. 
I guess, um, I guess so. James Corden is returning to host for the first time since the Hamilton year in 2016. So, I guess, uh, I guess, how excited to see him host again? Uh, very, I think. I thought he was fantastic in 2016, uh, especially since he had to do it in the wake of the Pulse nightclub shooting, which, mm-hmm. you know, I know in the past, sometimes when award shows are right near a specific event, they're often postponed for a few days like the oscars were postponed after martin luther king jr's assassination and the assassination attempt on ronald reagan mm-hmm. so i mean you know i thought to myself would the tonys actually postpone a few days you know just to give time for the media to cover the tragedy and not have to worry about anything but you know i think they did a good job in handling that not only james corden but all the winners as well yeah like frank langella and lynn manuel miranda yeah so and um yeah so so at least in this case james corden at least hopefully won't have to worry about a tragic event affecting how he has to do the show mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if he can it'll be interesting to see if he does like another carpool karaoke or maybe he'll do like a, a live stage version of crosswalk the musical for something <laughs> yeah imagine that so maybe there'll be like a crosswalk the musical of all the nominated shows like in the opening number oh yeah i mean it is always fun to see all the nominated shows participate in the opening number yeah yeah maybe like maybe like he'll open the show and maybe he'll do like with oklahoma but instead of oh what a beautiful morning he'll be like Oh, what a beautiful evening! Yeah, or Tony Awards. Oh, yeah, or even I guess opening number from Kiss Me, K, which is another opening, another show. Hmm. So, in any case, or maybe he'll like, maybe he'll like rise from the, maybe he'll like rise from beneath the stage, and I guess maybe he'll maybe he'll be with the people of Hades Town. He'll be like and Beetlejuice. I've come back from hell to to host the Tony Awards for tonight. Mm-hmm. Or like, cause doesn't Am- or maybe like Amber Gray will be with him because doesn't she have a cl- a thing where in her marriage to Hades she gets to come to Earth for a bit every year? Hmm. I guess maybe. Yeah. So maybe they'll play on that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I think he'll do a good job hosting. Yeah, me too. So, so I guess any anything else you want to mention before we sign off? Uh. Not that I can think of. Okay, so again, I thank you all for, I guess, for keeping track with us on our predictions for the winners. Good luck to you all on your predictions. Good luck to you, Alex. And and you as well. Thanks. And um, we'll see you all later. Bye-bye. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. Feel free to rate and or review this show on iTunes. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.com. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all later.